What a great introduction to the word of the Lord today. His presence is an open door. Reading from the book of Luke chapter 4, verse number 16. While you're turning there, I wasn't sure this morning when I got up just how the day was going to be. You know, time change weekend always throws people off. And I really knew I was in trouble when I sat at McDonald's for 25 minutes with only two cars in front of me. Somebody didn't wake up. Amen. But I'm glad you're awake right now. I have felt the genuine move of God's presence into this place. And I am thankful for that. Let's read from the word of the Lord. And, it came, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. or Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. That was in reference to the year of Jubilee which was the 70th year. And on that year, all slaves were freed. Land reverted back to its original uh, owner. So many things transitioned at that year of Jubilee that it was known as a year of joy and celebration for the recovery of what had been lost. God was going to give it back to them And he was going to bless them with the new opportunity. And the Bible said in verse 20, And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and sat down, and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture Fulfilled in your ears. And he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down and said, This day are these verses fulfilled in your ear. I want to talk to you this morning about the closing of the book the closing of the book Lord bless the word to our hearts and our minds to receive it and our spirits to respond to it in the name of Jesus we pray and everybody said amen amen God bless you you may be seated praise God we we begin chapter 4 in the book of Luke in the wilderness with Jesus in what is known as the 40-day temptation. 
It was a time of severe trial that he would endure. And you can read the account in the first portion of this fourth chapter of all that Jesus encountered in that wilderness experience. And when it came to an end, the Bible said that the angels came and ministered to him. And when he left there, he went in the strength that had been gained from that experience. The other writers of the New Testament take you to a different point in time. John will take you to the very beginning of his miraculous ministry and Matthew has a different word of beginning. But Luke, he sums all of those first few moments, weeks, months, however long that Jesus spent in Galilee in only two verses. And then he begins his gospel with the story of Jesus returning to his hometown in Nazareth. And it was there in Nazareth that Jesus had grown up as a little boy and he had learned his trade at the carpenter's shop. And now here he is, a full-grown man moving into ministry that uh, he had been ordained to fulfill. And we see here in this, this, uh, this story that we read from an episode that happened in that city of Nazareth when he came to the synagogue and what transpired in their response to him being there and what he said and how all of that was going to play into literally a door being closed to them because of their failure to understand and receive what he had said. The Bible said he could do no mighty miracles there. Those that knew him would not free him in their own minds and their own spirits to be who he claimed to be. And so he takes us into the details of his visit to this hometown. This, and I don't say this irreverently, but in a sense, this home boy, hometown boy had come home. And there he is at the synagogue and he availed himself of the opportunity that coming to the house of God afforded him. That is so significant to me and I don't want to get lost this morning, but you know of all people that didn't need to go to church, he knew more than the collective group of all those that were there and yet he went anyway. What does that say about us? Amen. If anybody that didn't know, if anybody that had the right to exempt themselves from going to church, surely it was the Lord. But he gave us an example of how important attending the house of the Lord is. And this is what the scripture says about him. He went to the synagogue as was his custom. Now that custom didn't start when he was in, when he turned 30 and stepped into his ministry. That began as a child in Nazareth when they would come on Sabbath day to the synagogue for the reading of the scripture. And when they came together, they read from the law and they read from the prophet. And then they would speak about those 
scriptures that they had read from. And they did that week in and week out. And that had become part of the fabric and structure of his life. Now, if the Lord gives me that kind of example, you know what? It would do me well to follow that. That coming to church is an important part of my spiritual life. And it ought to be a priority. And I'm not trying to hit at you today. I'm just trying to tell you what the Word says. Amen. But here's what's even more powerful than the fact that he went to church. He participated. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to get down where you live right now. It's one thing to come and sit on the pew. I'm at church. I came to church today. But you don't ever get anything really out of church until you participate in church. And nothing ever changes in your life until you get engaged in what's going on in the house. Because just to come and sit and observe, you're going to leave just as dead as you came in. But if somehow you can engage, if you can connect to what's going on in that house, something powerful will happen in your life. He didn't just come and sit on a pew. He came to participate. Come on, anybody want to participate today? Praise God. Woo! Amen. He contributed. Amen. He, he got involved. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm butting up against some stumps right now. I maybe need to take the hammer out and hammer a little further. Amen. Amen. He, he participated. And not only did he participate, but something powerful happened when he became engaged. You know what happens when you become really engaged in church? What happened here earlier happens. Something spiritual, something supernatural, something out of this world, something that you can't factor into a program. You can't put it in here. Okay, we're going to sing this song and we're going to sing that. And when we get to that line right there, boom, it's going to happen. It happens when people come together and they open their heart and their spirit to the spirit of God that is already in this place. And when that happens, that interaction produces something. It results in something powerful. And when he spoke, something mighty happened. And when he showed up, he opened the book. And out of their routine, he lifted up life and showed them what life should be. Amen. To the broken, to the battered, to the hurt, to the wounded, to the captive. He shifted the whole focus of life and showed them what life should really look like. And the Bible said he stood up to read. Now it was the habit to have readers when they came to the synagogue. And it was no specific person. Uh, There would be different people. And so Jesus took opportunity to engage in that synagogue service. And he stood up and they gave him the scroll. And the Bible said he unrolled it. He opened the book. And when he opened the book, he went to Isaiah 61. Now most, 
Bible scholars say that that was probably not the scheduled verses for that day. Aren't you glad he doesn't follow schedules? <laughs> Aren't you glad that he didn't say, oh, this is time change weekend. They're going to be too messed up in their head for me to come talk to them. Amen. He, he, he just scrapped the schedule because he's in charge. They don't know it yet, but he's the one, he's the reason for that house anyway. Amen. So he takes that, he opens the scroll to Isaiah 61 and he begins to read what we read. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me and it has anointed me. It has, I have come here with a divine purpose. Amen. He hath anointed me and he goes down the line. To, to bring the gospel to the poor. Interesting word there. The poor was not talking about people who have monetary issues. It, the word literally means poor in thinking, poor in self-image, poor in self-thinking, that they had come to the place in their life that they were so broken down and they were so abused by the law and never being able to live up to the expectations of the law and the demands that the law made upon them. And yet week in and week out, they came trying their best. And here they are, they come in, their minds are beaten down and their self-image is torn to shreds. And he said, I have come to preach the good news to do to you who have a poor self-image, to you who ever let life beat you down and convince you that you're not worth anything and you don't count for much. Amen. Come to heal the brokenhearted. To heal the brokenhearted. To set at liberty them that are bruised. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. There in that study and in that writing. He pronounces to them his purpose. People that were steeped in religious tradition. That came ritually to the house of the Lord. Or what was considered the church of that day. They came religiously to read from the book even though rarely they understood what the book was saying and rarely did they conceive that the word could be fulfilled in their life that day or that moment and on this particular day he came to declare to them that the word that I have just read to you it is fulfilled today this morning this setting that we're in right now. I'm not talking about something about to happen. I'm talking about something that is happening. I am here. I am the one that this prophesied of. I am the one that forecasted this day. I am the one. Amen. And yet in their religiosity, they missed the very one they had been reading about. Because of their own blindness of how they expected Messiah to come. They could not conceive of Messiah coming as a baby in a manger. It just did not fit their, their, their thinking, their theology, their ideology. God would come on a throne. He would come with majesty and he would come riding in with authority. And here he comes into the world 
in the form of a baby. That's why they couldn't embrace him. That's why they weren't looking for him. That's why somebody had to jog their memory that he was even coming. When the the wise men came and they inquired, they went and found the men that should have known. They didn't even realize that, well, well, that isn't, uh, well, Bethlehem is where the scripture says it's going to happen. But even in saying that, they never embraced that. Because it just did not fit their ideology. So here's the same people, the same ideology, the same thinking is still in the synagogue. They they read about it, but they never expect it to come to pass. Isn't it amazing how many times we hear what we've heard saying today and it just goes right over the top of our head. We hear the Lord loves us. We hear the Lord helps us. We hear the Lord's here for us. And it just goes right past it like we don't even know what's happening. We We don't even clue in to what God is actually trying to say to us because it has become such a part of the fabric of our life it's become who we are it's become who we are we're religious we're ritualist we come we don't ever miss we read that verse but it never comes alive and he opens that book And he makes that word come alive to them on that morning. And now here on this day, the fulfillment of all that they had read about stands before them. And yet they are still blind to who he is. And it is not impossible that you and I could get to the place that we could come so often to the house of God that we too become blind to the simple truths of what we sang about today. He's going to open a door for you. He's going to make a way for you. No giant can defeat you. No mountain can stop you. No pain can destroy you. No hurt can defeat you. All of those things that he speaks to us and he comes continually trying to get through our thickness. Oh God, would you awaken us today to the reality that you are truly in this place to heal our hurt and mend that brokenness in our life and put us together as you would want us to be. What a day, what a day, what a day when he opens the book and he interrupts the routine and he throws ritual out the door and he kicks predictability to the side and the common, ordinary happenings of the synagogue go up in smoke. That makes people nervous. You know, that really does. When God gets to moving in the place, it makes people really nervous. It, it's like tap in you know, a hot tin roof. It, my Lord, what, what have I got myself into here? And don't you know that when he started speaking those words as powerfully and more so when he sat down and he looked them in the eye and said, This day is this word fulfilled in your ears. It dawned on them for a moment that all of these prophecies, what he is proclaiming is that it has come to pass. Amen. That's what happens when he opens the book. That's what happens when he gets involved in church. When he gets involved in my life. 
He's going to kick the routine aside. He's going to say, okay, no more of this. No, 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 no. We're not living like that. We're, 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 no, 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 no. That's not going to stay. This, this is not acceptable. This routine, this, this ritual of coming sick and leaving sick, coming broken, leaving broken, coming messed up, leaving messed up. Yeah, I'm preaching to somebody this morning. Yeah, coming in hurt, leaving hurt. Coming in broken, leaving broken. Ah, come on, somebody. I'm not trying to just excite you this morning. I'm trying to wake some of you up and make you realize that the king of glory is in this place today. The one that can straighten out the crooked things in my life. He ushers in the extraordinary. Man, the unexpected, the amazing, the uncommon. He ushers in the wonderful works of his spirit. And when he uncovers the, the limitations of their rituals and exposes them to his divine purpose of freedom and help, it's almost too much for them. Amen. Amen. And the Bible said it came to life in, 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 in essence as he read that word. It came alive to them. You know, it's, it's wonderful when you pick up that book and it becomes more than just a letter. It becomes a life. That when you open it, you read more than the thou shalt not. But you read that there's a God behind every commandment that doesn't give a commandment without a purpose. Really, it's not just a commandment. God said that's a commitment. This is what I'm saying to you. That if you will obey me, I'm going to bless you. If you do this, I'm going to give you my favor. It's a wonderful thing when the Word of God takes on new life to us. When something comes alive and we realize it. I remember as just a kid, I struggled with my own faith. And I'd been raised around the church. I should have known everything the church taught but as a teenager, you know, sometimes it doesn't ever just sink in the way it ought to. And, and, and I'm at home one day and I'm struggling with my own limitations. And I, I get down to pray and I started asking, God, I need, a, I need a revelation of who you are for myself. I know my daddy's told me. I know my mama's told me. I know my pastor's told me. I know my youth teacher. I know my Sunday school teacher told me. But I need that revelation myself. And I will never forget opening the word of God and I started reading. And as I read, it was like somebody flipped a light on in my mind and my eyes began to receive and perceive what that verse was saying and what the Lord was telling me about who he was. And I jumped up in my, I, nobody else was on, I jumped up and I started running through the house screaming, I see it, I see it, I see it, I see it. It's a wonderful day when the word of God comes alive in your life like that. Because it's transforming. Amen. And that day the word came alive. And when you by faith reach out and receive it and embrace it and experience it, the promises become real. They become true in your life. And something miraculous happens. And in this brief text, Jesus outlines for us his purpose in ministry. There is in this verse of scripture, in these two verses of scripture, 
18 and 19, a miniature of his entire ministry, purpose, and passion in the world. Why he came. What was he here for? I'm here to preach the gospel to the poor. I'm here to heal the brokenhearted. I'm here to mend. I'm here to repair. I'm here to restore. I'm here to rebuild. I'm here to put back together what life has torn down and torn apart. I'm here to bring the pieces together. I am that vision Ezekiel saw of dry bones. I have come to bring all those parts that have come, that that have been disconnected through time and all of that has happened and I'm going to bring all of that together and I'm going to put it back together as a working functioning body I'm going to give life and so he preaches to the poor the crushed the pushed down the broken hearted the captives those that were blind those that were bruised those that were bound and he said I'm going to energize you I'm going to give you new life I'm going to give you new purpose to the trouble to the hurt to the injured to the broken hearted to the imprisoned I'm going to give you liberty I'm going to give you freedom he was going to start at the very root of man's problems and their sicknesses and their issues and work a solution for his purpose in their life. I'm going to start where you are and I'm going to bring you to where I want you to be. You're hurt now, but I'm fixing to bring you to a place where you're going to be healed. You're broken hearted now, but I want to bring you to a place where your heart is put back together and there's a wholeness. Your, your, your mind is warped right now because you have been convinced you're not worth anything. You're a mistake. You, you don't even deserve to breathe air. You don't even deserve a place on the pew in the synagogue today or the church. He said, I want to bring you from that poor kind of thinking. I want you to bring in the, I want you to bring you into God thinking. I want you to bring, to bring you into divine mindset. I want you to understand why I created you, why I breathe life into you. Why I gave you your abilities and your talents. I want to breathe that into you. Amen. Messiah, the good news, recovery, restoration, repair, renewal, release. He was repositioning them. He was going to bring liberty. He was going to restore the joy of the Lord in their life. Amen. You talk about an announcement. We have not had any church announcements quite like that. But he announced to them, I have been anointed to do this. Amen. And then he concludes the reading and he does something profound. He closed the book and he sat down. And the Bible said that all eyes fastened on him. And when, they, when he had everybody's attention, he said, Now, this day is this scripture fulfilled. In your ears. This day. Everybody say this day. Today. This morning. Amen. The declaration that he made to them at that moment was profound. And I believe it literally shook them for a moment. And I believe in my own mind and spirit that when he said that, for a moment of time, Brother Randy, a light turned on and there was this flicker of joy that everything that the prophets had spoken of about Messiah 
it was here. It was coming to pass. This is, this is he right here in our midst. In that moment, there was that flicker of hope. And they understood the significance of that passage because it was rooted in who they were and in the history of the people that Messiah was coming. And they looked for Messiah. And now Messiah is in their midst, sitting in their synagogue and telling them this day the word is fulfilled. Man, you talk about mind-blowing. It was more than they could handle. But you know, when I got to reading this this past week, what captured my attention was more than what he said. It was what he did. Two things that he did. Close the book. But before that, he was quoting from Isaiah. I don't know if you can pull Isaiah 61 and 1 up, but if you can, pull it up. Put it on the screen. Isaiah 61. I didn't give that to him. But this is the passage of Scripture that he is referring to. This is the passage that he reads from in, in the, in the, from the scroll. And in Isaiah's passage, it is almost identical to what he said, except Isaiah says more. He says more. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach the good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison to them that are bound. Next verse. Next verse. <laughs> to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Come. And the day, you can go back to verse 2, and the day of vengeance of the Lord. But in the New Testament, when he stood to speak in the synagogue, he said, I'm going to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, period. He puts a period where Isaiah puts a comma because a comma means there's more to come. But the Lord said, in essence, I want to put a period here because I want to stand between you and that which is coming. And I want to tell you that I can help you get ready for that day that's coming. If you let me heal your brokenheartedness, if you help me mend your mind and your spirit, if you help me, if you let me put you back together, I want to stand between you and that day of vengeance that's coming. And the Lord spoke to me this week and he said, some of you need to put a period instead of a comma on your life because you're just adding more grief to your sorrows. And God said, it's time to put an end to it. Because a comma means there's more to come. But a period means we're stopping this sentence. We're going to a new thought. We're turning to a new chapter. We're going to begin a new sentence. Amen. And maybe today what God has sent me to talk to some of you about is putting a period to some things that are going on in your life. Instead of it just being a continual thing. Brokenness, betterness, brokenness, betterness, brokenness, betterness, brokenness, betterness, brokenness, betterness, brokenness, betterness. You just keep putting a comma there because you know somewhere down the road I'm going to mess up again. Somewhere down the road I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something that I, I, I'm going to fail. You know what? That may be a possibility. But don't, don't go ahead and write it into the story. 
don't go ahead and write it into the script. Why don't you do what he did? He said, I'm going to put a stop to it right here because what I'm about, what I need to tell you is going to help prepare you for what you may face down the road. And if you'll hear what I'm saying, when you get to the end of the road, that wouldn't be a factor in your life. So he put a period where they had put a comma. Amen. And in essence, he said, I want to stand between you and the ensuing troubles and the ensuing wrath and judgment that your lifestyle or your choices are going to bring upon your life. I want to stop that cycle of craziness. Amen. Amen. I'm I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you today. The church, to some degree... Has, made, has become enablers of people's failures rather than healers. Because when they come with their problem, we always have a, a tendency to put a but on it. But, comma. But, comma. And God's trying to put an end to it. He's stopping it here. When he forgives sin, he draws a line. Said, that's not going to be on your record. Quit dragging that stuff into your life. Quit carrying that further down. If you've repented of your sin, if you've asked him to forgive you, put a sentence, put an end to it right there. Put a period there and say, no, you're not dogging me anymore. You're not following me the rest of my life. You're not defining who I am any longer in my life. I need to hurry up. He closed the book. Everybody say he closed the book. He closed the book. Some of you need to close the book on some stuff today. Amen. You need to close it. Now, this was significant for the fact that when he closed that book, to those who were sitting there that day, that simple gesture had profound meaning because it meant that the phase of their religious life of understanding of God and who he was was coming into a new day. And the old forms of the priesthood and the sacrifices and all of the temple the ordinances that were there that was coming to a close and a new day was dawning of grace and mercy. What had been the shadow in the Old Testament now had become the substance. And when you have the substance, you don't need to live in a shadow any longer. It doesn't mean you don't look back to that because the Bible said that what happened to them happened for in samples. That means they lived out the reality of what good choices can do and what bad choices can do. And we need 
need to let that be an example to us so that we don't follow in their footsteps and make those same mistakes. But he said, I want to tell you that there's no more a whisper. This is the voice of God speaking to you today. This is no more a shadow, but you're standing in the substance right now. And God wants some of you to close a door on shadows today. He wants you to close a door on things that have haunted you and troubled you and dogged you your life. He wants to close the book on you and say it's all right to open up a new page to life. It's time to rise up and start walking in a newness of life. It's time for you to realize who I've made you and who I've created you to be and who I've put my spirit in you to become. God wants you to be awakened, not to a shadow, but to his substance. Come on. A new order. A new order has begun. The truth was now entering a fresh new stage where God would not write his law on tablets of stone, but on the tables of the heart. Amen. No more tablets of stone, but he's going to write in our hearts his commandments. A dispensation was closing. The Bible said law came by Moses, but grace and truth by Jesus Christ. He rolled up that parchment and put a period to that which was in part so that that the fullness of revelation could come to them and they could walk in this newness of life. And in order for a new day to dawn, he had to close the book on an old one. And I've come to tell somebody here today that God wants to close the book on your hurting today. He wants to close that chapter of your book because he wants to write a new chapter of healing. He wants to close the book on your brokenness and your disheveled life and your chaotic living and your disordered function. He wants to bring order to your chaos. And so he's going to close the book on that disorder and he's going to open a new chapter of order order and purpose in your life you're going to have something working in you and for you that will help direct you into the right path he wants to close a door on an old way of thinking that poor me I'll never be much more than what I am I'm always a failure I am what I am I am going to always be what I am and he said I want to close the book on that kind of thinking and I want to open a new book I want to open a new chapter. I want to write a new story about your life. Amen. He closed the book and he sat down. Amen. It's time to walk into a newness of life. No longer the echo, but the voice. No longer forecasting, but fulfilling. A new day has dawned. Embracing that new beginning experiencing that new revelation, knowing that God is here right now to perform His will in my life, to know that God has come today for me, for my needs, for my hurts, for my pain, for my suffering, for my confusion, for my turmoil. He has come to give order. He has come to give me direction. And he declared by this gesture that some things are going to change today. 
Some things are going to change today. That's what I pray this morning. God, don't let this just be a time change. We can. Let it be a real change. We can. That somebody reaches over and they take that book of the past, that book of their failures, that book that's full of all their mistakes and all their failures, and close it, and close it, and close it, and don't let it be open. Don't let a comma be put there any longer. Put a period to it and say, no, sir, I'm getting out of that. I'm walking out. I'm moving into a new life. Stand with me. I wonder what he would like to close the book on in your life today. I am talking to somebody right now that the hurts of your past and many of them have been connected to the church. The hurts of your past, God wants to close the book on. Put a period over. That may have been what defines you, but it's not going to define you anymore. That may be what ordered your life, but it's not going to order you around any longer. Amen. That may be what dictated what you were and who you were. But today is a new day. What is it that God's wanting somebody to walk away from today with finality? With finality. I'm I'm not going back. I'm not going to get sucked back in. And the only way that can happen is you're going to have to erase that comma and put a period. Drugs, you're not defining my life anymore. Lies, you're not defining my life anymore. Deceit, you're not defining my life anymore. Brokenness, you're not defining my life anymore. Hurt, you're not defining my life. Misery, you're not defining my life anymore. He wants to give me jubilee. Woo! Yeah. He wants to give me a shout again in my life. He wants me to rejoice again in my life. He wants to lift the burden off of my life. He wants to lift the pressure that have pushed me down. He wants to free me so I can be in his presence and not be ashamed to do what he, he has prompted my spirit to do. He wants somebody to sing a new song of freedom today. I'm free. Woo! I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. Amen. He wants you to dance in the joy of a soul that's been set free from chains. The hurt. He needs to close the book. I said he needs to close the book. Will you let him close the book? Listen to me. I'm going to close. That spark of hope that glimmer of light that shone in their eyes for a second as they realized what he was saying, Messiah.
against God. All of a sudden, the shadow of their own doubts covered it up. And somebody said, is this not the carpenter's son? Is this this that little boy that we watched grow up in our neighborhood and he's come to tell me I can be free? He'd come to tell me I can be loosed. And you listen to me. Their familiarity became the breeding ground of their doubts. What makes you think this is going to be what makes you think this is going to be different than any other Sunday or any other day of my life? My life has been defined by problem. My life has been defined by sickness. My life is defined by dysfunction. What makes you think, preacher? You think you've got a cute little word to preach to me today? And it was that familiarity with what they thought they knew that blinded them to what he really wanted to do. And I'm here to tell you this morning that the only thing that can limit what God wants to do in closing that book and putting that period in your life is that thinking it says I've heard that before <laughs> yeah you sound like all those other self help people and it was that familiarity that closed that door and if you read the scripture you'll find that when he left Nazareth there is no evidence that he ever came back to his hometown in the entirety of his remaining ministry on earth Because he came to his own and his own received him not. But to as many as received him, (laughs) to them gave he power to become the sons of God. If you just open that door, he's going to give you an opportunity today. Yeah. Why don't you let him close the book? Close it right now. Come on, do it with your own hand. Close that book and say no more. I, I'm not living out that story any longer. That's not what's going to divide my life. I'm closing that book today. Why? Because God has empowered. He has given me the anointing to do that. I'm putting a period. A period. No more commas. A period. Because his word tells me I can. I have come to heal the broken Hallelujah. I wonder what familiarity in this place could keep me from today if I allowed it to. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder what familiarity 
might be undermining what God is wanting to do in my life right now. Amen. I want to I just pose a question to you. If there was nobody else in this building, you had heard the message that you've heard this morning what would you do wow I see it I see it I see it I see it are we supposed to act like that in church well you read his book he evidently intended for church to be more than something dead like yeah. He wanted church to be more than something written out in a letter. He said, I come to give life. The letter killeth, but the spirit is life. The spirit gives life. So what do you want? You want a letter? Because that letter is going to keep killing you. That letter is going to keep telling you. You're never going to be worthy enough. You're never going to measure up. You're never going to do it right. You're never going to be this. You're never going to be that. Why don't you just wad that book up? Close, close that book right now. Put a period there and say, oh, thank you, Lord, for the promises that you've. Thank you, God. I want to walk in a newness of life today. I want, I want to walk in a new freedom today. I want to rejoice in a newfound freedom today. I want to experience that joy that bubbles up in my soul that nothing can suppress. Come on, does anybody want that today? Everything changed.